Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family, we chose this one. This is episode 252, Hell or High Water from 2016. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too, and this episode is brought to you by Robert Cargill, the author of the great Texas oil heist, Little Oil versus Big Oil. The slant hole story is a significant piece of Texas history, and it must be told before no one is left to tell it. Available on Amazon. Shout out to uh, Robert Cargill. Well, shout out to Robert Cargill, and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. After the break, we'll be talking about Alex Ellenin's patron pick, and I will say it now, I'll say it again later, probably the only actual real patron pick Alex will ever make for us, one that he's not trolling us on. Yeah. So thank you, Alex, for not being your normal Alex self for this week. I mean, we, we might have done this movie anyway, this just sealed the deal, but we'll be covering that after the break. Joe, extracurricular activities, what have you been up to since we last spoke? I had a delightful weekend in Pittsburgh. Um, I saw some of the Instagrams. Yes. So uh, I went back to Pittsburgh this weekend. My buddy Matt was visiting. I mentioned that, and he came back with us. The main point of that trip back was Matt's favorite band is Metallica. He loves going to see them, mm-hmm. and he wanted to go see them in Pittsburgh, so he invited us to go with him. Cause, you Did know, you he- talk about this on the episode or just before we started recording last week? You told, I think it was maybe before we started recording. Yeah, maybe. Okay, yeah. Okay. So if this is if this is an echo, like I knew that you were going to Pittsburgh for Metallica, but I don't remember if that was on the I don't think it was on the episode yet. I think it was probably before we started recording. But okay, keep going. Yeah. So um I'll do back to front. Uh Sunday we went to go see Metallica and they were I think who was it like Ice Nine Kills and Greta Van Fleet open for them. Are you? Fans I don't of know Greta? Ice. I, I don't know Ice Nine Kills, but Greta Van Fleet I like. I, I mean, I don't love, but like they are. Rachel the, loves it, them. They're the Led Zeppelin sounding band that like people either yes. love for that reason or hate for that reason. Yes. So Rachel really, really loves them. Um, she didn't join us for the concert, but so I got to see them for the first time. Were they good live? Yeah, really good. Sounded really, really good. Um, like did I. Did I ever tell you, sorry to interrupt again, did I ever tell you that uh, Led Zeppelin like 10 years ago put out like a lost concert footage film or something, not not lost, but they put out a thing on Blu-ray or whatever. So my friend was working at a uh, theater, like not a movie theater, but like a performance art theater, and they showed this movie, like they brought down a screen or whatever. And so he's like, we can just go see it for free because like it's not close to selling out. Like it's just like we put it up, whatever. And so we went there and it was cool to see like basically like a live, a, a quote unquote live Led Zeppelin concert. But yes. like people were like filming the screen. I'm like, guys, what are you doing? Like this yeah, is not what? a, <laughs> this is not like a concert. Like I also don't understand like at concerts and stuff when people are filming this. Like I know that you're far away and you want to be part of there, but like it's not like you're actually filming the artist, whatever. But like this is like even one step removed from that. Like you're filming a literal screen yep, where, yep. you know, the band performed this 50 years ago or whatever. And like members of the band are dead. It's just like, what has happened? Like, well, this is weird, but you know, to each their own. I'm firmly like anti-video at concerts. I, I always want like a nice picture, right? So like I definitely take a couple pictures, uh, but like your phone microphone is not going to sound good. A b- band should essentially like, I guess the bigger ones probably do it anyways, but, like, should just, like, do, like, recordings and, like, let you buy rent. Some bands do that. I don't yeah, remember that's who I mean. it is. Like, maybe it's, like, fit, like fit because there's bands that, like, bootleg, like, they do, like, all these, like, fish, like, there's, like, hundreds of yes, fish bootlegs yeah. or whatever online. Yeah. But I think that there are some bands, and I don't remember who they are again, but, like, you can buy that night's show on your way out, which is kind of a cool idea. Yeah, that that's ultimately, like, what they should do, right? Like, so it's like, hey, everybody put your phones down, like, enjoy the concert, and then at the end you get, like, Nice sound, nice production, whatever. 
like even if they like let you stream it from their website later on the thing like i think a lot of the large bands could do it so anyways yeah that's what i think but um metallic was cool they're not like a they're so my my thoughts always were like i enjoy some of their songs mm-hmm. they're not my like favorite band and I was very glad that I got to go see them. I'm glad that I got to go see them with Matt, who really loved them. I ran into some other friend, friends at the concert. And I was like, this is enjoyable. It's not like a band I would rush out to go see again. It's definitely not my favorite band. But I was like, hey, they put on a pretty decent show. And like, How long did they play for? Two hours. Full full two-hour set. Okay, because like I saw Guns N' Roses years ago, and they played for like almost three hours. I'm like, this is almost too long. Like It was good, but I was just like, this is like an endurance task. But two hours is like... The, the long end of, like, what I think is kind of, like, not acceptable, but, like, before after longer than that, I'm just like, all right, like, what are we doing? Yeah, yeah, like, you need to be, like, a top fucking tier band that has, like, so many hits to play for longer than two hours, right? Like, even, like, when we saw Paul McCartney, I think it was, like, two hours, so, so that was really cool. And also very exciting was Saturday night just happened to be the f- um, first preseason game for the Steelers, so, um, my mom, dad, uh, all the workers at the store that work for them, and all of us went to the Steelers game, and we got to see uh, the first game at not Heinz Field, right? Oh, wait, they're, they're, they're no longer at Heinz Field? They're Acrisure Stadium. They changed the name of it. Oh, okay. That's dumb. Don't like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all of Pittsburgh hates it. it they sell shirts. Actually, my dad was wearing one because we bought him one before the game that says, it'll always be Heinz Field to me. Yeah, so we got to go to the first game at this new named stadium. Um, we got to see the first game that won't have Ben Roethlisberger in like 20 years. And we got to see the first game of Kenny Pickett, which I thought was really cool because now I have gone to see Kenny Pickett get drafted. I've gone to see his very first game at Heinz Field as a Steeler, like in black and gold, got to see his first touchdown. So I was like, oh, man, like, if this works out, I'm on a pretty good run here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I saw Sidney Crosby's first game in Pittsburgh, too, so I'm hoping that we can get a little bit of that same mojo going. It was awesome. It was just, like, a good time. Uh, the weather was beautiful. Got to do that. Got to hang out, um, see my parents and everything, and I, I just had an awesome, awesome, awesome weekend. We finished Better Call Saul. We started the something yesterday that is really awesome. Did you even see the Manny Teow documentary come up on Netflix? I don't. I don't like browse places. Like I don't. I know you don't. You know, like that's I, what I was I, asking. But, yeah. So Manny Teow, who is the guy who famously had a fake girlfriend? Yes. You know, like the story was kind of hazy, right? Because it was like he had this fake girlfriend, then his grandma died, and she died in a car crash on the same day and then he like dedicated his season to both of them and then it turned out that there was never any girlfriend but i always thought that it kind of felt like he had known that it wasn't a real girlfriend do you know what i mean okay yeah 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 at some point he kind of figured it out got embarrassed killed off his fake girlfriend on the same day his grandma died which is you know like actual thing to happen and was just like oh i can kind of get rid of this now the documentary says otherwise like they have the person that was the fake girlfriend catfishing him and him on the show and like uh so i'm only through part one of it but it was really awesome so far and uh that's pretty much it that's been my past week how about you cool uh last week i had dinner with brian late night slumber party rodriguez which was nice nice to see brian irl not just uh behind the podcast microphone 
Yeah. He's not going to be on the show again soon, right? Or no? Early next lap. Early next lap, Brian will be back. So then on Sunday, uh, so Bob came up for a lottery pod, but our friend Dylan, who's also in a fantasy baseball league, okay. uh, he and his wife were talking to me because he's like, have you seen uh, the one of the Yankees minor, pro- like top minor league prospects is this guy, Anthony Volpe, uh, okay. who's playing for their AA affiliate in Somerset, which is like right around the corner for me. And he's like, have you oh, yeah, seen him yeah. play yet? And I was like, no, not yet. Actually, I haven't gone there since they've become affiliated with the Yankees. And he was like, oh, we should go sometime soon. I was like, yeah, cool. I'm down whenever. And so Sunday morning when Bob is supposed to come up, he's just um, – Dylan texts and just like, hey, let's go today. And I was just like, oh, uh, uh, we have other stuff that we're going to do, but uh, let me check. And so we're like, oh, yeah, we can go. So we, we wind up going. Okay. They meet us there. Me and Bob go up there. Weirdly – so this is like a minor dumb kind of thing that nobody cares about, but I think it was kind of cool. So we added in Fantasy Baseball this year, every team has a minor league – roster spot because we were on a different site espn doesn't allow it, or we're back on espn because the other site sucked but like we had the ability to stash a guy that is not in the and not in the majors who's only in the minors so it's like an extra roster spot for a guy that like you have high hopes for or whatever does does he get points or no 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 it's it's you only get stats if you're in the majors and then once you get called up in the majors okay. like you have to drop a guy from your current roster to add him okay. so i had okay. added this interesting. guy interesting zach I- veen uh, Z-A-C-V-E-E-N, Zach Veen, who's this, who's MLB.com's number two ranked outfielder prospect, because I'm just like, you know, I need, there's there's basically no good outfielders, and I don't know what happened, like, there's, like, it's so shallow. Anyway, I was like, oh, I'll add this kid, and so he was in high A, got a whole bunch of steals, and then last week I saw that, you know, there's a little, like, news icon on his, on the player, and I click on it, and he's like, oh, he's promoted to double A. I was like, cool, all right. And so we get to the ballpark, and I'm like, I don't know who this team is. It's the Hartford Yard Goats, which is right around your neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah, they're the, they're like the local team. Um, they constantly have commercials on TV and stuff like that. So yeah, the Yard Goats are like the Connecticut baseball team, essentially. So I was Go like, ahead. I don't know who the Yard Goats are affiliated with, and I look it up, and I'm like, oh, it's the Rockies. I'm like, wait a minute, the Rockies are the guy. They're the team that yep. Zach Veen that has Zach Veen, and yep. he just got promoted to Double A. And so I'm watching. I'm like, oh, now I actually have like you know I cared about because the Yankees are the are the Patriots like they're they're affiliated with the Yankees, but like yes, 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 this guy on the other team that I had no idea. Like that's the cool thing about minor league games is like some of these kids are going to become like superstars, but most of them are just not going to pan out or whatever. Yep. But I was like, oh, I actually have like a vested interest in one of these guys. I'm like, on I'm both show sides, you a picture right? of him. Yeah, yeah, because like I. I liked him because, you know, he was, you know, he's got a lot of stolen bases, whatever, but he also looks like an absolute dirtbag. And I saw this picture and I was like, oh, oh, hell yeah. So I'm sending this picture. I saw this picture. I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. I want this guy. Um, oh, yeah. That's great. He has like a really mustache, shitty mustache. The kind of mullet. mullet sort of thing. Yep. And so I watch him. He's got these bright yellow cleats. He's super thin. He's like wiggling around in the box. He had two hits. I'm like, this guy is great. Like, I don't know if I'm going to keep him forever or whatever, but yeah. like, Hell yeah, let's go, Zach Veen. So Patriots won big, which was nice. Uh, I got to see Zach Veen. And then uh, it was also the Patriots, like, let, you know, the kids run the bases after the game. And so my friend Dylan, who came down with his wife, he and his wife have a two-year-old or almost two-year-old. And so uh, little Cam got to run the bases, which was great. That's Um, so so cute. Super fun. So that was great. I love when teams do stuff like that. That's awesome. Good for them. I I mean, mean, it's it's small-town baseball, right? Yeah, but also just in general, like, I hate seeing old men, like, reaching a training camp for autographs, but, like, I really respect all the players that will stand in line and sign, like, 100 autographs for children, right? Like, that's what it's about. Right. Like, let the kids get hype. Like, I'm not going to go bother Kenny Pickett for an autograph at camp, but, like, I hope that my spot would be taken by, like, six 
seven-year-olds, you know? Like... Because, like, after the game, everybody's like, Volpe, Volpe, sign my ball, or whatever. And, like, it was, you know, a mixture of kids and adults or whatever. And it's like, you know, autograph hounds who are like, this kid's going to be, like, yeah. the future of the Yankees or whatever. But I was like, I want to go find Zach Veen and be like, hey, you're on my fancy. And he'd be like, what? Why? Like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but, you know, yeah. I, I didn't know. Like, I didn't wait around for him. I'm like, I'm not actually going to find this guy or whatever. But That's I thought it'd be funny because, funny. like, nobody knows who he is. Like, it's just, exactly. he's a name that I didn't even know. And I'm just like, all right, whatever. Uh, that was fun. And then last night, Tuesday, I saw Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Do you know about this movie? Have you heard of this movie? I think you mentioned that you were excited for it, but I forget why. So continue. maybe I don't. I don't know. I, uh, it, I it's a new A twenty four movie. Um, it's the only person I think in it that you would know is Pete Davidson, isn't it? We've been seeing we've been seeing commercials for it, and yeah. Rachel's mentioned it. That's what it is. It's it's actually getting like actual commercials. We've seen them somewhere. Go ahead. Yeah, it's a bit. It's it's the it's one of the big releases. Yeah. Of this past weekend. Yep. It's really good. It's really funny. It's kind of like a, it's a horror movie, kind of like Scream, um, kind of like the game they're playing, like Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is basically like Mafia, but like in real life, like when they're hanging yes, out. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Uh, but it's kind of like a Gen Z satire, which shouldn't work, but works really well. But Pete Davidson's great in it. Rachel Sennett, who was in Shiva Baby, is great in it. Amanda Stenberg is in it. She's the lead, I guess. Uh, the girl from Borat 2 is in it too. Like it's just a really good cast of like people who like are either about to break out or like Pete Davidson have broken out or whatever, yeah, but it's really yeah. good. Highly recommend bodies, bodies, bodies. Oh, the other thing, and this is not really a thing I did, but I was looking cause you know, have you seen Top Gun Maverick yet or not yet? No, I still haven't. It's not on streaming yet though, right? No. Well that's, so that's the thing. So this okay. came out Memorial day weekend in yeah. May. And now we know that the way that theaters work, everything is basically like this like 45 day turnaround, but because it's still making money, like last weekend, I think it was number two because like there's just nothing else to compete. Like it was Bullet Train number one and then this number two. So yeah. like just if there's nothing to compete with it. But they announced this week when it's coming out, and it's coming out on streaming next week or like this week I think as you hear this. So it's very soon. So you'll be able to like you know rent it at home. But the crazy thing is that it's on Blu-ray November first, which is like five and a half months after it came out. I'm like that's that's unheard of now. Like. Everything is, like, such a quick turnaround. This just like, hey, we're making money, so, like, we're not going to let you just own it at home. You have to rent it. or I'm just, this is crazy, but, you know. That's weird. It's like, And this is the only movie that's like that. Like, everything yeah, else is, yeah. like, quickly, like, either on streaming. Like, there's things that are in we theaters now for it. a week or two and then on streaming or whatever, and this is just like, nope, you got to wait. Yeah, because we've talked about it. Like, you know, like, since pandemic, streaming is, like, there's how many movies have we seen that have been, like, streaming essentially the same time as it's in theaters, mm -hmm. you know? Like... So to have the opposite happen is pretty crazy. There's all these, like, like the smaller movies, like, they're, huge movies you're going to have to wait for, like Disney, like, Marvel movies and stuff like that, but, like, smaller indie movies, like, the things that you want to support in theaters, if you wait, like, two weeks will be on demand. It's just, it's crazy, like, it's good and bad, like, it's annoying but also convenient, so, like, I don't know. It's weird, though. It is weird. I also, some, you know, we've had a couple people tweeting at us about episodes that they're listening to in the back catalog, like, Reaction Rock, I was just listening to the uh, Better, Better Luck Tomorrow Luck. episode. Yep. And Jason Rainey was saying that he was listening to an older episode, but he commented because, you know, in my daily sitcom sitcom catch-up, I am now at the end of Curb Season 2, the start of Simpsons 13, and the start of King of the Hill Season 6. But I tweeted, you know, I, every day I tweet, a, like, when I watch one of those yeah. episodes, I tweet a picture, and the King of the Hill one I tweeted was a very funny episode, and Jason's like, this is so weird. I was just listening to an old episode, and someone wrote in about this scene. And I was like, what? And it's a scene that Jerry wrote in from, I wrote it about in December. And okay. when I guess I started King of the Hill or whatever. 
And he's like, I love that show. I especially love the scene. It makes me cry laughing every time. And so it was just this weird, like, an episode that Jason just listened to. That is weird. I was watching, and, like, it was just this weird, like, coincidence. kind of coincidence, but not yeah. really, but it's just weird. But anyway, uh, it was a great episode. Bobby Goes Nuts, um, where Bobby Hill gets picked on at school, and he, you know, he wants to take boxing at the Y, but it's filled up, so he takes a women's self de- self-defense class. And so his go-to move becomes kicking guys in the nuts, and everybody has very mixed opinions about that. But his whole thing is like, hands off my purse, I don't know you, and he kicks people in the balls. I, and so, I even know this scene, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just a weird kind of coincidence. But yeah, if, you, if you're listening to like back catalog episodes, I, I, I'm curious to see, you know, people go back like, you know, Reaction Rock was saying he was waiting until Better Luck Tomorrow was available on streaming. I think it's on Pluto. I also think it's maybe on Criterion Channel now, too. On that note, um... The fucking Jeopardy Pluto channel is like pretty much nonstop playing in my house. Most. Like I told you about that, right? It was, is it? Yes. Je- is, is Jeopardy and Wheel are separate channels? Yes. So you get like fully just old Alex Trebek Jeopardies, and it seems like they're kind of playing them in like batches. You know what I mean? Which is nice. Okay. So like you'll get like you know a champion that goes on a run for like five or six episodes in a row. So it seems That's like nice. it's kind of curated. It's not just like random episodes is what I'm trying to explain. Well, I would hope that like they would have like if somebody was like a 12 game winner, they would show all those in a row or something. Right. And then maybe that's what it feels like they're doing. Bit. Yeah. I, like I haven't like confirmed or looked it up, but there's definitely like you see like the same champion win a couple episodes in a row. And then, yeah, like I don't know if they show like their whole run or what. I haven't gotten that far into it, but it's cool that it plays like that. And um, I just like trivia and I like watching jeopardy so i'm very very thankful pluto put that on oh the other thing i want to say and i've been we were sort of tweeting about this too and we'll you know just keep an eye on the too fast twitter if you care about this but dream video division uh which is one of the kind of like i think more official racer trash sort of spinoffs like after racer trash died this is like you know they kind of scattered and like a bunch of people do a bunch of things for different like outlets platforms whatever you want to call them twitch channels yeah but dream video division seems like one of the bigger ones and last week they streamed from a uh, film festival, but then they've rerun it a couple times. This thing they called it Speed with more ease. But they said, you know, for some for a movie that is all about going fast, the movie Speed is actually quite slow. And so we want to do the entire thing in eight minutes. And so they did the entire movie in eight minutes. And then the rest of the hour they did like the first eight minutes of the Fast and the Furious called the slow and the serious and each minute became five minutes interesting and so it was wonderful i know you and rachel watched a little bit of it yes uh, they've rerun it a couple times but it's out there if you can find it if you know just follow dv division i think on twitter or we'll retweet it but it's really good they cut in other things they slow things down it basically is the start of the first movie up to the point where dom shows up the back of his head at Toto's yeah. Cafe. Yeah. And that takes like 45 minutes or something, or 40 minutes. Like, it's great. It's so slow. It's so wonderful. And I was sort of half watching, because I knew they were going to re-air it. And so I was half watching it while I was doing other things. I'm like, oh, okay, so there's Brian. Oh, okay, there's there's some Fast and Furious. Oh, there's a little bit more. And it just kept going and kept going. And kept, I was like, what is happening? So speed, and part of that is the slow and the serious. So, you know, Razor Trash sort of style where it's like all chopped and screwed and, yep. you know, visual affected and whatever, but about the Fast and Furious, which is very cool. Very, very cool. Also, I have just a general question mm-hmm. first. Who the fuck is buying all the George Pickett memes t-shirts from it's the Too Fast store? It's gotta be on a Reddit or something. Rachel, look. sold like 10 of this dumb shirt. 
it's amazing. I mean, first of all, I love mine and I wear it all the time. But I'm getting to a point where, like, Joey, I'm going to run into someone wearing this at one point. Well, I mean, there's only 10 people in the world. So, maybe if you do, you I don't know, you have to, like, you have to get a picture or something. An autograph you have to find out where something. they got it from. Yeah. But, but I'm very proud of it. Uh, that's, like, one of the big takeaways for me. As you guys know, I'm a big Steelers fan. And this ro- wide receiver, we talked about the shirt design before, but, like, this wide receiver we drafted has just been a menace throughout training camp. And he scored his first touchdown on Saturday. If you play fantasy football, this might be a guy you want to sneak later. I would highly recommend it because he's looks like he's going to go off. They love him. So I was trying to figure out if people could how you find it. If you search no George idea. Pickens Fast and Furious shirt, we're number one on Google. But no one's doing that because who would ever do that? That's weird. Um, yeah. But if you search if you search George Pickens on T Public, we're nowhere to be found. If you just search Pickens, because their search engine's terrible, if you just search Pickens, we're like seventh, which is pretty high, and either first or second about this kid, because there's like a, a soccer player in Europe whose last name is Pickens, who's apparently very good, and like he, they kind of SEO'd us out, okay. but you can kind of find it. I don't know who wants it. I mean, it's a funny idea, but you were just like, hey, I want this shirt. Can you For put me. up a design so I can buy it? Yes, I, I wanted like, yeah. one And I assumed them. no one would either find it Same. or get taken down or whatever, but... We sold like eight hundred. I was also telling my friends, I'm like, so many people are buying this. They're like, oh, you must be making so much. I'm like, no, we made like twenty dollars. Like, we don't make any money on the shirts. Like, oh, we thought you were making like hundreds of dollars. I was like, no, no, like, we make two dollars a shirt. Like, it's not like we're, you know, really raking it in here. I mean, it's funny. It's more funny than anything. I'm it's just, more like, funny. It's also yes. confusing. So yeah. So know. um, Joey keeps it will, like the emails come to the too fast email. So Joey will like send me updates. Like more people bought the George Pickens shirt, and we're like, how? Why? And I just want to know who it is. So if for any reason you bought one, please let us know. Like, just out of curiosity. I think it must have been shared somewhere, either on Twitter or, like, a Reddit or something. Because I had like, Rachel search were, like, everything for it. There were, seven or eight that were sold in the span of, like, three days. And it's just not, like, people aren't searching T-Public for George P- Like, I don't know. It. I don't know. It's weird. I, I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea either. Anyway, if you want to support us, go buy our dumb shirts. I mean, I'm, I'm, I made that Justice is Coming shirt. No one has bought any design with that. Like, not a sticker, not a t-shirt, anything. Um, there's stuff up there, too fast, too forever dot shop for all those things. If you want to be a part of this, it's just a, a meme where he's watching himself get drafted on TV, except instead it's The Rock and Vin Diesel in Fast Five, so... Also, oh, no, the thing that did happen, though, was that the NFL used it as their cover photo. Did you see that? No, what co- what cover photo? Like their Twitter. Oh, like him watching himself. It was him watching himself score his first touchdown because that was kind of a shot at. Did you see the Antonio Brown meme that was like, that was like the fake Antonio Brown quote that was like. Well, the I saw only the real Antonio regret. Brown quote that like yeah, as we were finishing up recording the last episode, that went he tweeted that thing out. So I've seen like but that a was a memes meme about it. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, that was a meme. Then Antonio Brown got it, retweeted it as if he said it. But it was like the only thing I wish is I could watch myself play. Oh, he didn't actually say that. No, of course not. But he. But no, he don't just, say like, of co-signed. course not because that absolutely seems like something he would say. Well, it said like it would be like seizing, seeing Jesus at Red Rocks at the end. But I mean, I guess. Like, no, that's ab- like it. It's okay. funny because it seems like it's something he would say. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, it. It, but it was a meme that somebody released, and then he just like co-signed it, and th- so they made George Pickens watching himself score a touchdown, and then they made the NFL made that their Twitter cover photo. I don't know if it's still that, but it was like last weekend. Uh, yeah, it is. It's George Pickens watching himself score a touchdown. Yeah, exactly. So 
Anyway, we have a Patreon page. If you don't want to support us on the, on the store, if you want to support us on the Patreon, TooFast2Forever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleiman, Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party. Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke, Hayden Renano, Dee Donato, Michael McGann, Lane Middleton, Lindsay Lewandowski, Nate Milton of the Kings of Sport, Jason Rainey, and Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Montez. Thank you all for supporting the $5 a month level or above. If you're a $10 patron and you have not gotten a pick in for next lap, every lap now you get a pick, please send that in via email or Twitter or Facebook Messenger or Instagram or whatever. You know how to get in touch with us. Yeah. Too fast, forever.com to sign up there. And we have an email address, family at cageclub.me. And Joe, we have Jerry's monthly check-in. He refers to it basically as that in here. Perfect. Email from Jerry Robinson. How are you doing, Jerry? Good to hear from you, bud. There's a picture he sends, which I'm sending to you oh, now. Cool. Jerry says, hello there. Hey, guys, hope you've been well. Got a month of a bit of a monthly update since I moved and I have some time Ooh. on my hands, finally. Okay. It's been a month since Ileana and I moved into our quaint little home, still trying to get used to living together. Yeah. On the I've... 1st through the 5th, we went on a cruise to celebrate our five-year anniversary to Catalina Island and Ensenada. Congrats. Blast. I felt great to just be together. Didn't catch COVID, surprisingly. Congratulations on that, too. So that's good, and now we're back at work. Also, this past Tuesday, we went to see the Backstreet Boys. I saw some of his uh, Instagram oh, I videos saw, about I did this. Too. I know. I saw. I saw his like yeah Facebook post. He said I think that it was a concert that they had tickets to, and then COVID canceled it. So good for them. Even it's supposed to happen in 2020. Damn COVID. Yep. There you go. Yep. We also lost our voices screaming to our favorite songs. <laughs> I'm now looking for a new job to avoid an hour and a half commute plus a seven dollar toll every day, nearly six dollars in gas, and wear on my tires. Got a job Jeez. offer from the post office, just waiting for clearance so I can turn to my two weeks of my current job as a spa specialist. Well, congratulations. Good luck that. Good I luck hope, with that. Yeah, I hope you get your um get that good post office job, man. That's that's good jobs. My uncle is a postman forever and you know, people don't leave those jobs, so mm-hmm. I also bought F one twenty two for my PS4, man. It's Ooh. dope. I've been playing on my TV. I made a team name called the Toretto's because why not? Colors are black with a little neon green. That's all I've got. Got to get back to work. Be fast. Never last. Don't get past or you'll lose that ass. No, Monica. Well, thank you, Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. And your picture on the cruise looks really cute. Um, glad you guys had a good time. I have a question for you, Joey. Backstreet mm-hmm. Boys are in sync. <sighs> the answer is really neither. Of the two... My sister liked NSYNC. My dad, for whatever reason, preferred the Backstreet Boys. I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't have an answer. It's Who tough. There's a lot of hits. I think I think NSYNC, because the Christmas album is a nice touch. I'm guessing they both did Christmas albums. I will say that like I was never, and this is not just me trying to be cool, because I'm very clearly not cool. I never got into the boy band thing. I would always, I would strongly prefer the like Christina, Britney, Mandy Moore, all those kind of singers. I never was big into the boy bands either. That was like right around the time that you also had like Limp Biscuit and Eminem and like all of these like, you know, new metal pop rock yeah. type situations going on. So like I was way more into those. But um I had heard all the songs and as I got older I conceded that uh I greatly enjoy pop music. And I think I don't know, I liked In Sync a lot. 
but both are really strong, man. Backstreet Boys had a ton of hits. So. I think you just pick the the you know the greatest hits from both. Like I don't know album cuts from either. You know what I mean? Like I know I could probably name three or four songs from both, or maybe more. I don't know, but not not a ton. But you know, pick and choose. Like exactly. it all. Why yeah, pick? Exactly. Why not both? Just like that girl in the I was just curious. commercial. I was no, I was curious if you had a preference because like in I our don't house, know. in our house we do we often do you know I think we even talked about it with Nico and Kevin on here. It's like you know X Tina versus Britney. And, like, that's a really, really tough one, too, so. Sure. Uh, Joe, on the streets, news about the Fast and Furious. Anything you've seen in the last week? No, I haven't seen anybody on the Today Show. I haven't seen anybody on sports things. Um, how about you? No, I mean, I get the Google alerts every day. I read Deadline and Variety every day, and people haven't sent stuff in. I don't think there's anything that's happening, as far as I know. I did I did see, I think Reaction Rocket just retweeted, like, today that there was, like, a f- the first clip released by the F9 Saga Twitter, and he is saying he has an assumption that maybe we get a trailer preview, sneak preview coming soon. There's a clip that they did three hours ago that says, you ready, kid? And it's just, it's yeah. Dom and Sean at the end of Tokyo Drift. Yeah. Another year older, happy birthday to Vin Diesel. No, it was the, it was the you ready, kid, and he was saying maybe this is an allusion to that they're going to release a trailer soon. Or like yeah, he a... said, I'm ready for a trailer. Somebody says, maybe please have that Tokyo Drift 2. Ooh. Yeah, so maybe trailer. Who knows? Maybe. Well, yeah, nothing else of note. Vin Diesel did have a birthday, so happy birthday to him. Oh, like Brie Larson. I mean, this is, you know, it's not really Fast and Furious news until she's like in, in, like we see her. But she, I think that Captain Marvel ride just opened Disneyland. So, you know, tangentially related to Fast and Furious because she's in Oh, both, that's kind of cool. But... Do we, yeah. What kind of ride is it? Is it another one of these, like, no get on the idea. car? Okay. She has a YouTube channel, though, and she put up a video of her reacting to the ride. So I'm sure if you want to learn more about it, you can just watch that video or just, you know, Google it. But I did no work there. I have no idea. Okay. I think that's it, though. I don't think there's anything else. Dwayne Johnson still not in Fast 10. Nothing else to talk about. So the final thing to do before we take a break is the Fast and the Furious Minute. Too Fast, Too Furious Minute. Minute 71. Minute I called a hell of a deal. No one's calling this off unless I do. Look, this is real simple. You make the run, you get Verona and his cash together so I can move in for the bust. All right? You don't, I will find enough charges on both of you to make you disappear. Take these. We're going to have GPS on you the whole time just to make sure you don't get any cute ideas. And to make sure nothing happens to me, right? Yeah, right. Guys, a dick, man. Yep. Let me get this right. If we don't do this, then we go to jail. But if we do it, then Barone's gonna kill us. It's a hell of a deal, huh? Yeah. Maybe it is. But I know this guy's got an ass full of loot that he's ready to dump in our cars. And I can think of two reasons why Barone doesn't need that money anymore. In this minute, Markham starts to get frustrated. He gives Brian and Roman walkie-talkies as he angrily explains to Brian, Roman, and Bilkins exactly how the job will go. Brian and Roman leave East Coast Fisheries and discuss their options, either not doing the job and going to jail, or doing the job and getting killed by Verone. Roman gets optimistic about a future where they get paid as the minute ends. Not a ton to talk about here. Uh, notice that Agent Dunn did not say or do anything in this entire scene. Nope. Bilkin's going to bat for Brian, but this is mostly just Markham yelling at everybody for two minutes. 
but what do you notice here? You know, we're we're still we're leaving East Coast Fisheries. The next minute we're going to be somewhere else, which I'm excited about. But one more minute here, not much to look at. But you found at least one thing. Yeah, I found one thing that I was really excited about. Um, I couldn't find what the model of the walkie-talkies are. I spent a while looking through yellow Motorola walkie-talkies, and I couldn't cool. find ones that were the right shape. Uh, they all are kind of a similar shape, which is like kind of roundy, kind of rectangly, um, but none that like actually match this. So two Motorola ye- yellow walkie-talkies. Saw a couple signs, and one of the coolest things is that I think I want you to click on this uh, Google Maps link here now. West Flagler Street. So behind Roman is a sign that says West Flagler Street, okay? So I was like, cool. And we already kind of knew where the building was, but I didn't know from last time that Google Maps actually had a boat come down that water. Okay. So you can see the back of the building that they, like is changed but you could see essentially where they shot and like not like the actual set because like i said that built from last time remember we were like oh it must have been torn down or replaced with this thing but you see the like bridge that is behind roman in this scene and it's from the water so you can kind of take a look around and, and it does look familiar like if you match it up with the minute you're like oh wow like those boats across the thing there was like a little shack there and like these kind of like so it's it's very very similar and I, think I mean, it makes cool. sense that, like, I've seen the Google Maps cars with, like, the 360-degree yeah. camera, but it would make sense that there is also, they stick that on a boat and just send it down a river, right? Like, Yeah, but I never thought about it, so it was cool to get a shot from the back. I wish that we would have had this option and to be able to see it at the time that Too Fast was shot so that we could actually get, like, a, a nice shot of that landscape. Because, you know, like, a lot of times they're in buildings and stuff. This is kind of outside in a place that's kind of, like, markable. So I wish we could have got a shot of the actual, like, fisheries place that they were in and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, there might have been at one point, but the way they just update everything with yes, the, yeah, you know, whenever yeah. they resend it down. So I don't I don't know that the old versions are available anywhere. But yeah, I would agree that especially if there was one. I mean, it was it would predate Google Maps, probably, especially like the way that they would do it now. But yep. like if there was one while they were filming, just like, oh, look, there's there's Bilkins with that shirt. OK, cool. But anything else that you notice in this minute? Um, no, that was the most coolest, memorable thing that I saw, and I was excited about, because otherwise it was like, you know, lots of faces and nothing really else. There is a phone number you found that I'm not going to call. Oh, yeah, there's a sign behind Roman, and it's clearly just a 1-800 number ad to, like, for a Toyota dealership. What is It's it's 1-800 new auto, too, so it's like the blandest thing ever. Um, I put it in there. I know that we have the, like, telephone rule but you said it and i totally agreed even when i put it in there that like this is stupid so it's not like a store or anything like that it's like a billboard behind him the only other thing of of real note here is that the new song on the score comes in the master plan by david arnold begins um there are if you look at this i think we might have talked about this before but if you look at the actual score track listings there are so many spoilers like if you look like upcoming songs include Brian shoots Verone, uh, City Chase, Brian removes the ESD, like just things that are just like, oh, these are very specific action beat moments uh, in yeah. the movie. The trivia question I have, I don't love. There's a couple things that are kind of similar to this. Did you have a question before I say what I wrote down or no? My only thought was to do, what does Markham give Roman and Brian? Oh, the walkie talkies. Okay. 
That's and it could be like car keys, walkie talkies. It could be like GPS trackers, guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guns. Yeah. What you know? Uh, badges. Whatever. Right. Like that might be better because like the things that I was trying to come up with were like based on wording. Like the one that I wrote down here was, "What does Markham threaten Brian and Roman with?" Because it's very specific wording. Enough charges to make them disappear. That seems. It's, it's not great, but I was just trying to think, because there's the other thing, similarly specific, unusual wording, is Roman saying he's got an ass full of loot about Verone, which, again, I don't know, like, it's not a great question. So I think yours, yours is not a great question, but I don't know that there's anything better. Like, I think the walkie-talkie okay. thing is is the best one, because I think it's it's not pedantic bullshit like mine. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's gettable, and, like, there's actual things, like, we can, you know... Yeah, that's why I was thinking that you. So you like that one? You want to go with that one? Yeah, I think so. It's because it, it's kind of sly too. Like he he gives it to them, but I, does he even say walkie talkies? No, he says take these. these. We're gonna have GPS on you the whole time just to make sure you don't get any cute ideas. Yeah, because they had the trackers that he took out and he put in the can of Nas. Remember? But I think those cars are still being tracked by the cops anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. and these are these are wired tighter than a whatever yeah what was your fourth answer what does brian give uh, what does markham give brian and roman before they leave to pull verone's job gps trackers guns walkie talkies and car keys because that would kind of track right it's it's hard when they're just in a place yelling at each other it's very very hard yeah We've been very dialogue heavy recently too but like they're not like you know they're not really doing much action right and, and the like action it, that we—it's not really pick. setting things up, yeah. And the actions that like, and also you know how we can't do like how many blue candles are in this room for every question either, right? So, so minute seventy-one, a hell of a deal, which is a line from Brian saying about the basically the rock and hard place they're in. If we don't do this, we're going to jail. Roman says, but if we do do it, then Verona's going to kill us. It's a hell of a deal, huh? A little bit of irony there from our boy, Brian. Yeah. What does Markham give Brian Aroma before they leave to pull Verone's job? The answer is walkie-talkies. All right, Joe, let's take a break and let's come back and let's do Hell or High Water. episode number 252 hell or high water this episode is brought to you by robert cargill the author of the great texas oil heist he's a native son of east texas where as a child he was fascinated by the flaring gas from oil wells in his grandfather's backyard um so shout out to robert cargill well shout out to robert cargill welcome back to too fast too forever with us now is alex ellenden in spirit for picking this movie for us. Now, Joe, had you seen Hell or High Water? Had no. you heard of this movie? No. Did you know anything about it? Nothing. Not a thing. So I found, and I don't know that this is true, but this was on IMDb. IMDb says the movie features big name actors, Chris Pine, Jeff Bridges, tested well with audiences. However, the film did not receive a wide release or major publicity as advertisers didn't want to be associated 
with a film promoting retribution against financial institutions who feed off the working class. And I was like, okay, it kind of makes sense. I don't remember that at all. Uh, the movie made a good amount of money. I saw this in theaters. It was nominated for Best Picture Oscar. So I don't know. It's a weird thing where I'm like, I don't remember this controversy at all, but maybe it existed. I don't know. Wait, it, it, it was nominated for a Best Picture Oscar? It was nominated for a bunch of Oscars. We'll get to that in a second. It's available okay. on Netflix. If you have not seen it, you should, because I think it's great. Uh, it is very quickly about a divorced dad and his ex-con brother resort to a desperate scheme in order to save their family's farm in West Texas. Hour 40, you're in and out. Without credits, it's like an hour, it's closer to hour 30. It's wonderfully short and just... It's, it's tight. I like that. I like that a lot. Not knowing anything about the story, going in completely blind... It doesn't really lay out like what and why they're doing things for a while, so I was a little confused trying to pay attention to that. But um, otherwise, yeah, the tightness of it, amazing. What did you think of the movie overall? It was pretty good. We're coming off a run of watching a ton of heist movies. I thought that there was a lot of things that I liked in it. I thought that it was really pretty. I liked the Texas setting. I, I do like the plot of them stealing from the banks to pay back the banks to get something that the banks stole from them. So there was things I liked, but, you know, it's hard to compare to some of the other great heist movies we watched so recently. See, I I think this is one of the best movies that we've watched this lap. Really? I think this movie Why? is fucking incredible. I think it's great. I think it is, it bucks tradition and bucks convention in ways I think... It looks great. I think it's really well acted. The only thing that I have really an issue with is like the Ben Foster kind of going crazy because he goes crazy in a bunch of movies. The real theme, I see, I saw two themes pop up on my Letterboxd Friends reviews of this. Number one is one I tweeted, which were two people just talking about Chris Pine's mustache because uh, okay, he's got that yeah. great mustache in here. Um, but the other thing is that like people are just saying that like it's amazing. It feels so good to see an adult movie in like 2016 because it just felt like by this point so many people had like dumbed things down and like movies weren't being made like i think what you're saying about like it's kind of confusing that they're not really setting things up blah 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 or whatever like i think that's just like you kind of need to work for it a little bit like it's all there yeah yeah i think that people not being like spoon-fed whatever is reassuring to people who like see too many things or get jaded by you know major releases and this just works in a way that like like, oh, no, movies can be good. It's just, you know, most kind of aren't. But I think this movie is incredible. Um, this was directed by a guy, David McKenzie, who directed this Australian prison drama called Starred Up, S-T-A-R-R-E-D, Starred Up, um, which I think is like Australian slang. Maybe I'm probably going to get this wrong because I'm not going to Google it, but our Australian listeners can write in. But I think it means like you're like you you're like a juvenile who gets like bumped up to like adult prison. Like you get starred oh. up to adult prison. Okay. This movie okay. is awesome. And whenever we get to, I think we'll do at some point a prison lap, um, which might be miserable. I don't know, but we're definitely going to do this movie because this movie's great, but he directed that he's done other things. I don't know, but the more notable thing is that it was written by this guy, Taylor Sheridan, who before this had written Sicario. Have you seen Sicario? I did, but I feel like I watched it like in Zach's basement or something. I don't know what that means. Does that mean you were fucked up? No, 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 no. It just means that, like, I watched it in a setting where we were probably, like, chatting, and it wasn't like I was mainly focused on it, is what I'm saying. Gotcha. Okay. Because uh, Sicario, I think, is also awesome. Um, that's about, you know, the drug trade, and 
it's got uh, Emily Blunt and Benicio del Toro and I think Daniel Kaluuya before Get Out. Like, it's just, it's really, really good. But he wrote that, then he wrote this. And then the year after this came out, he would write Wind River, which is about, uh, I think it's in Alaska, but it's also another really kind of gritty, hyper-realistic movie like these. And then he wrote Sicario 2, which is not as good, but still pretty good. But more of note to the wider public is he's the guy who created and showruns and writes Yellowstone and 1883 and oh, all those shows. So like this guy really makes sense. Yeah. blew up in a way. It's like the kind of gritty, hyper-realistic that also now is kind of prestige whatever. But like, you know, that, that has a connection to us because Carter Verone is in Yellowstone, and so this guy, you know, it, there's kind of like this backdoor Fast Furious connection there, in a way. Yes. Um, but yeah, so Oscar nominations, nominated for Best Picture, it lost to Moonlight. Uh, Best Supporting Actor, Jeff Bridges, lost to Marshall Ali in Moonlight. Okay. Original Screenplay, lost to Manchester by the Sea. Film Editing, lost to Hacksaw Ridge. So it was nominated for four. So this must have been before you and Rachel we're no. watching every Best Picture nominee. No, we d- we did. So I don't know how we like missed this one because we we definitely saw Moonlight that year. We definitely saw Hacksaw Ridge. We saw every other thing. We saw Manchester by the Sea. Like so, we saw every other movie in that thing. Like I don't know how we didn't watch this one, or maybe like there's no way I completely don't remember this movie. I have no idea. I, I genuinely don't know because I thought you guys had been doing that for a while. But like, yes, that's this what is... I thought too. But that's why when you said like, "Oh, it was nominated for all these Oscars," I was like, "What? Like, what year did this come out?" Like, no, yeah, 2016 is not that long ago. No, definitely not. It was like it was on AFI's top ten films of the year, and I was like, "Oh, okay." And then I was like, "Oh," because it was also nominated for Best Picture. Like, that's not really that surprising because like everybody kind of loved this movie. Like I was saying, it had a 12 million dollar budget. You know, I didn't mention that, but it made 38 million dollars. So like. Even though it wasn't in a ton of theaters, I saw it like in a in a regular like it wasn't like an indie theater. I saw it like in a regular kind of mainstream ish place. Like it wasn't like hard to find. I guess it just like didn't get like the three thousand, four thousand screens, whatever. But you know, yeah. The other there's not a ton of trivia about this, which is kind of a bummer because it feels like with the with the level, especially with people now with Taylor Sheridan becoming like one of the bigger showrunners or whatever, you would think that more people would be writing about this. It was originally called Comancheria because there's a lot of things about the Comanches in here. Okay, yeah. Um, the only other real trivia about this is a Fast and Furious connection is that while this movie was being made, Justin Lin was doing Star Trek Beyond, obviously starring Chris Pine. Yeah. And so he was only available for two and a half weeks to do this. So he did all of his scenes in this movie in two and a half weeks. That's insane. Uh, which is crazy. And so they did it in order, which is not very common in nope. filmmaking, but they need to like ramp up the energy and keep the emotions going. And so I guess they did all the Jeff Bridges stuff separately. Cause like there's basically two paths we're following again, kind of cops and criminals, but like, I guess they just did all of his stuff quickly in a row, which, you know, works. Cause like, he's great in this movie, but like, I can't imagine time crunch there. Yeah. That sounds insane to me. I mean, I obviously have no real scope of how movies work, but trying to get anything done in two weeks is very ambitious so good for them man it didn't feel like it didn't look like it i didn't feel like it suffered any because of that so that's cool yeah it's crazy that this took two and a half weeks to the chris i don't know how long the whole shooting took but it took two and a half weeks for chris pine to do his parts or like them to do all his parts and like again we were saying earlier like it's not like a three hour long movie it's not that long but still to do like half of this movie like 45 minutes or an hour or whatever of scripted stuff plus all the other takes and whatever in two and a half weeks is crazy it's just it's wild yep even more wild 
while recording, someone just knocked on our door, came in with us unexpectedly. Fan favorite, Garrett Smith. Hello, Garrett. Hello. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Happy to be back. Welcome back. We just had you on about a month ago for No Man's Land. I was saying to you that we had a guest tonight, but he had to back out. And instead of just me and Joe talking about this movie, I knew that you love this movie. So you are here. Welcome, welcome. I do. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. I'm We've not really dived into the movie. We just talked some some trivia about this. The, the thing I was trying to figure out is that there, I read this thing on IMDb about like how this didn't get a wide release because people like advertisers didn't want to support a thing that was basically taking down banks for scamming customers. But like... I don't remember that. Do you remember any of that? And when did you did you see this movie in theaters or no? I did see this in theaters to my memory, yeah. and I do not remember that at all. Now it's weird, right? I live in Philadelphia, so you know, even if things don't get a wide release, I usually still get them. So my I don't know my radar for like what is actually wide or not is maybe not the best. If that makes sense? Yeah, it makes sure. Sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't remember there being any controversy about that. I mean, it is one of the very interesting aspects of this movie. I think, um, especially since like I don't know a ton about Tyler Sheridan, but I get the impression he might walk like a very middle ground on on politics that some people, because it's a middle ground, might call conservative. I don't know. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I think that like the the buzz around Yellowstone, like especially with like Kevin Costner and the lead, it just feels kind of like Republican. Right. Um, I mean, he makes movies for dads for sure. Right. Yes. He, yeah. 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 But like these movies are like for cool dads. Yeah. I mean, I watched this recently because I showed it to my dad. I was like, oh, my dad would love this movie. It is essentially a modern western, uh, and and he did. He he absolutely loved it. Um, it he, he makes stuff for dads. And, and have you also seen? I'm assuming have you seen Sicario and Wind River? So I have. I actually am like the world's uh, biggest hater of Sicario. I do not like really? Sicario. I like all of the other movies Denis Villeneuve has made. I like all of the other Tyler Sheridan things that I have seen, including Wind River. But uh, yeah, I for Sicario doesn't do anything for me. I hate that night vision sequence that everybody loves. I think that's ugly trash. I don't like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even like the crossing the border scene? Uh, th- that is good, but that also is one of those scenes where I don't know how to say this other than, especially because this is one of the things I like about his movies, but that feels so um, campy. In a, not Campy's the wrong word, but like that feels so heightened in a movie that to some extent, is trying to, I think, speak to the actual... That movie is the reason Trump is afraid that people are crossing the border, right? And it's because yeah, of scenes fair. like that, you know? Where I'm like, I don't think that has ever actually happened. I don't know that it will in that particular way, in that particular place. It seems like a big kind of, like, I want to scare some red-blooded Americans kind of scene. You know what I mean? Joe, there's a scene in that that's basically they're, they're crossing over the border from either either from Mexico into the U.S. Yeah, or into, I think it's direction. from Mexico into the U.S. and they're like stuck in traffic and it's kind of like at the end of Den of Thieves where they're like, all right, we're going to ha- we're going to do the shootout. I guess this is where it's going to happen. Shoot our way uh, at, there's like, just like this the border. brutal shootout yeah. there and like I think it's awesome. It is but I can awesome. Also see, you know, it's pulpy. Like you're, you're pulpy, right. It's pulpy that's in the, the way right that, like, the rest of the movie is kind of like very grounded and hyper realistic. Yeah, I, it, it, that that addition, that injection of pulp at the end of that movie, when that movie does feel a bit like a polemic to me, I don't. I that feels um, disingenuous and almost like propagandic in in some kind of way. I think I'm making up words as I'm talking here. I apologize. So this movie came out six years ago. We were talking about it. Joe liked it, but didn't really love it. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. But Joe, like, what did you? What were you hoping for? Or like, you think? Do you think this suffered just from? 
having watched so many other things recently that you liked more? Like, do you think if you had watched this, like, standalone, you would have liked it more or less? That's exactly what I think was happening and what I was alluding to earlier is that, like, I think that it's just because we've seen so many interesting, old, classic, beautiful heist movies that this one is definitely good, but I was just like, it had an uphill battle from the beginning is okay. is more so what I felt like to me. Like, I think Chris Pine did a great job. I like the, like I said, I like the robbing from a bank to pay a bank to pay back a bank to get <laughs> something the bank stole from you situation. Like, that was really interesting. But otherwise, they're like, the robberies that they're doing aren't really like the heist part of it almost because they they're robbing like banks with like one or two people inside them right so they don't feel like the stakes are very high like you think that like two guys robbing a bank with two guys like with two people when like one of them's like a female teller and an old guy inside that feels like they're just going to accomplish it right well i think that's the point because like, yeah. chris, Pine, chris pine's not a criminal he's I mean, he's a criminal by because what he's doing, but like he doesn't want to steal money to steal money. He wants to steal money because the bank is foreclosing on this. Like the bank, you know, fucked over his mom. Yes, yeah. And he wants to right that wrong. Agreed. But there's also the added element here that I think like maybe they could explore a little bit more, but also maybe not. But like there's the whole Comanche thing, and like the land that was stolen from them by the bank is also stolen from the Comanches originally. Yes. So like there's like the reclaiming of stolen land that was originally stolen, or you know, there's like an extra layer that doesn't get unpeeled. Yeah. It does though, kind of. Yeah, I actually really like this about this movie. Uh, you know, you have the. Um uh, uh, Jeff Bridges' character and his partner, and they have this like very kind of contentious relationship, but it, it seems based in in a long partnership, and so there's some like love there or whatever. But but they are calling out; they want the they want the audience thinking about the difference between the white man and the the native man, right? Mm-hmm. They 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 want the audience thinking about those things. So then you all, then the plot of the movie is about how these uh, white guys are having their land stolen from them by the bank. And what that does is put these white guys in the position that the natives were in when cowboy movies originally took place, right? Cowboys yep. were taking their land, and now their land is being taken from them. And so it's like it's recontextualizing the old cowboy movie into modern America, and it's doing that by sort of, I think it's like helping, in my opinion, like, I, I like this movie because it makes me go like, oh, to some extent it's framing another person's it's framing my plight for me in a way that helps me understand a different person's plight if that makes sense yeah no yeah definitely and i kind of like the parallels it's drawing in that way and i really like that it's set against the bank crisis because it it puts a power structure in place it's discussing a power structure right and we were the power structure that overtook this land that we then built a power structure on top of that is taking it from us now if that makes sense yeah, and I think that a lot of what this movie is built on is, like, fuck banks, hands yep. off my money. Yep. Like, the Katie Mixon scene where she's the waitress uh, I love know, that from scene, Eastbound and Down. Yeah. Yep. But she's just like, I'm not giving you that money without a warrant. Yep. Uh, you, you can come back here if you have a warrant, but, like, until then, fuck off. Like, that's half my mortgage. You're not going to take that money. Like, it's not my fault that they're, that they're bank robbers. Like, they gave me the money. Like, that's, you know, that's your problem, not mine. I love that, like, 50% of that is that Chris Pine is good looking. Right. And so that like gets the conversation going that like blah, blah, blah. Right. But the other 50 percent is he treats her really well and gives her a really nice tip. And she's not going to go. She's not going to go for the cops over that. Right. The guy that was nice and gave her a good tip is better 
than the authority that is coming to sort of like figure the rest of this out or whatever, right? Well, I think there's something interesting here, like about the like unclear politics where it's like, fuck cops, yes, but also like small town, like I can take care of, like it's like vigilante justice. Like yeah. there is kind of murkiness. Yes. It's, like, it's almost apolitical in being so political. And I, I agree. don't know where it lands. I kind of agree, actually. I do think that's why this movie really works. I think works better than any of the other Sheridan movies I've seen because it it exists in that murky territory without me having to feel like, well, this is murky because it's kind of like dumb or bad politics, if that makes sense. Right, yeah, yeah. We have, so there's the three main dudes here. We got Chris Pine, a.k.a. the good Chris. Uh-huh. Uh, we've got Jeff Bridges, who's great, and we got Ben Foster. We also have these three sort of secondary women who I also mm-hmm. love, all three of them. Katie Mixon, obviously great from Eastbound and Down. Yeah. Uh, Amber Midthunder. Um, oh. who was great in Legion, but also most recently the lead in Prey, which rules mm. as the one scene bank teller that he robs across the street from the diner. And then Chris Pine's ex-wife is played by Marin Ireland, who I love because she's the lead in Sparrow's Dance, which is this tiny little indie movie that I absolutely adore. I've never even heard of that, and Joey. I'll look that up. she's so good in that. But this movie, just like, you know, there's not that many pieces at play here there's also the guy uh who plays alberto parker that actor's name is gil birmingham mm-hmm. joe did you recognize jeff bridge's partner in this that's uh mr billy black jacob's dad from twilight yes <laughs> okay got it got it yes okay i actually he's did been not in a bunch together, of things yeah. but yeah most notably for the, the general public this guy plays jacob's dad which is all right cool man uh-huh. yeah like get that money He's very good in this movie, I think. He's and, excellent. You know, he, he's he got a very unforgiving role, I think. You know, like, I, I if somebody told me they thought this movie was, like, highly offensive because of the, the Jeff Bridges character, I wouldn't be able to, like, argue with them. You know what I mean? Well, like, what's weird about that is, like, yeah, he's, he's making fun of him for being half Mexican, half Comanche, but also, like... The movie is not saying Jeff Bridges is a good guy. Like Jeff Bridges also knows what he's doing is wrong. Yeah. Yes. Like it's not like, hey, look at all these funny jokes. It's like this guy's being a dick, and he knows he's being a dick, and like his partner doesn't deserve that. He it's it's a very weird, like funny. It feels realistic, but it's also like I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this. Yeah. Oh, I also want to correct myself mid conversation. I was saying native before, and I should be saying indigenous person. I, I just yes. realized. Yes. Mm-hmm. What I love, Joe, before Garrett said, like what I what I love that I said was like that this movie kind of subverts conventions. Is that like. Jeff Bridges, a couple times in this movie, like, he's going to retire in three weeks, and his partner's just like, just get out of here, man. Like, we don't want, I don't want you here. You don't want to be here. Yeah. Just go do something. And, like, that's very clearly, like, the, like, you know, last day before retirement and the cop gets killed, but, like, he makes it through. Like, mm-hmm. and it's, spoiler alert, uh, Alberto, you know, Jacob's dad, who gets killed. Like, he shouldn't, he's not the one who should die mm-hmm. in this. He gets killed, though. Or... Other movies would have Chris Pine at the end of the movie miss the window to pay off the lien on mm-hmm. his house. Also but he true. gets there. He's like, no, I'm not leaving until you do this because I know you're going to try to fuck me over. I got nowhere to be. And I feel like it's just like smart in those ways that you're expecting like obstacles or drama or whatever. And like it doesn't do that. Like it feels real, but it feels real in a way that like other movies like it feels believable, but it feels real in a way that movies don't usually do. And I love that about this. I agree, and I I like all these points. You guys are definitely working to make me f- enjoy this movie deeper than I did on the surface there. When I was watching it, one of the things that I felt was most real was, like, why don't people, like, and why don't movies show us people laundering money through casinos more? And also, like, this movie explains why you can do that or how mm-hmm. you can do that, right? Like, it's crazy. Like, it's just like when we did To Live and Die in L.A., it's like, oh, this is how to counterfeit money. This is like, oh, this is how to clean money. Yeah, it's like it actually gives you what seems like a pretty uh, process you probably could use to do it, 
right? Like it gives you almost a step-by-step, like this seems like it would work. It seems like 100% would work. Like you go, you cash it all in, you get chips, you go sit at the bar for an hour, you like gamble like $1,000 of it. Yep. And, like, you're either up or you're down, and then you, like, cash it all back out, and they give you new clean bills that are totally different than the ones you just had. So, like, yep. good for you. And they go to the bank, and the guy's, like, the you know, sort of the shady banker is just like, yeah, and, you know, there's no way that they can trace this if you clean it through the, the casino. Like, I don't know if this is real or not, but it feels real in a way that, like, right. oh, yeah, if you want to clean money at the casino, yeah, go for it. Uh, also, uh, I think I'm glad you brought this up, Joe, because this is one of my favorite images in the whole movie. It stuck with me the first time I saw it, and it hit me even harder the second time I saw it. Um, uh, you know, spoiler for the movie, but when Chris Pine is sitting alone with a pile of chips that mm-hmm. are now the only thing left of his brother's life is one of the saddest images I've seen in a movie that I think is like such a a powerful image uh, because this movie is about like the crumbling of, of modern America, right? And you end up yep. with this guy who is just trying to keep his fucking house from the bank. And all of it amounts to his brother's life is now a pile of fucking poker chips. That's what it amounted to. That's what it's worth. That is such a, a crazy powerful image, I think. And what I also like about like the sort of subversion is like Ben Foster is like the wild card and you think that like he's gonna get them caught or whatever mm-hmm. in the end, but like he sacrifices himself. Mm-hmm. Like he's yep. a good guy at heart in a way that like this kind of character who is kind of annoying, and I think that, you know, there's some things I was saying, like I was saying before. I saw on Letterboxd that people did not like the crazy Ben Foster being crazy Ben Foster again. Yeah. But I feel like he redeems himself in a way this type of character does not often get to do, well, which is really cool. Like, they're, you know, they're getting chased and these guys, you know, like, all right, we're going to go our separate ways. You go do the thing. You save the house. Do finish the job we set out to do. I'm going to buy you time. And he knows he's not coming back from that. And he's going to, you know, go like suicide by cop, basically. And that's exactly what happens. But it's, you know, the the ending is sad, but it's also, like, the chips could also be, like, we did it. Like, he was successful. Like, it's right. sad that, like, his brother's gone, but, like, they were successful in saving the house and, like, getting back on the bank. Yeah, that that's an interesting point, actually, like, a, a sort of different view of, of that same image, you know, uh, which is really cool that, that you could sort of, like, flip it that way and think about it that way, too. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. Joe, have you ever seen, uh, like, one heist element, and it's not necessarily a heist, but just, like, a criminal element that I've never seen in another movie that I loved here and I forgot until I saw them pull up to the ranch. I was like, oh, right, burying the cars to get rid of them? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, but I really did like that, and I think it's also a very, very smart idea. Um, It reminded me that I forget what I was watching, but it was, like, one of these, like, shows on the History Channel, and they wanted to, like, dig up and see if they could find something and they're in Texas, and the guy's like, I think that whatever this thing is, is here, right? Like, and he, and it's on this guy's land, and he's like, okay, like, you know, can we dig it up? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, okay, do we have to get a permit? And he's like, this is Texas, buddy. Like, if you want to <laughs> dig a hole, you dig a hole. And I was like, yep, that's like the first thing I thought. Like, nobody's asking any questions about you digging a giant hole in the middle of your farm in Texas. Like, they just don't care. Don't look. Don't ask. Nobody cares. So I was like, that probably absolutely works and is an awesome way to do it because like other movies have gotten rid of cars like pulp fiction and stuff where you like bring it to like a, a compactor like you know a junkyard and they'll like crush the car oh, or whatever. Like, the whole just like that's just straight up burying a car in a field which is like all right good luck like it's all dirt like you know yep. go look for it's it it's always how it happens they take them to the the junkyard and you watch them fucking pick it up on the crane and crumble it or yep. and then they, and then they find the car a week later in every movie that's like that it's, you know, it's like, I don't know if that's a good solution. Burying the car actually seems like a better solution to me. 
Yeah, like you need a, you need some things like you need a backhoe and you need like space, but like they're not they're not burying dozens of cars. Right, like right. They're, they're basically robbing like they don't say, but like six or seven banks to get like the forty grand, yeah. right? Like that's all they need. Yeah. They need like a couple cars, like one a day, and then they're done. Like it's it seems manageable. Yeah, and and uh, Joe, I think like a little bit to your point. I know I know you were saying this movie didn't like totally work for you. I do think it's like an interesting tone and pace because it is like a quiet thriller. Like it yes. is a thriller. It builds to a big shootout, and and you. I, I don't think you could argue that like the plot of them like hitting bank after bank after bank over a week or whatever is not like meant to be like thrilling, but it's very quiet and it takes its time. And, yes, and it's sort of paced almost lugubriously, like almost slow. But but I think that's meant to mimic life in Texas, right? In these Texas towns where things are just a little bit slower. I, I think we're sort of they're they're bringing us into the world of this movie. Um, by having the pace kind of match what I think the pace of life is in in this area, it seems to yeah, me. Yeah, because you're right, because, like, Jeff Bridges doesn't, like, ch- like, he, like, picks a bank, and he's like, we're just going to, like, stay across the street and just <laughs> yeah. watch. Yes. Like, he's not, like, chasing them around. Like, he's like, they'll come to me, and, mm-hmm. like, he sits outside, mm-hmm. and, like, they talk about, like, you know, the town is slow, the life is slow, there's only one restaurant, all these things. I, because I'm so used to how fast a lot of the other ones were going, I didn't appreciate the slowness of this as much as I could have. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that also like the just like Jeff Bridges' character, like it's kind of a different way of doing things. Like this is a movie that does not exist, and he's a kind of cop that doesn't exist. Like mm-hmm. he's, I don't check my phone while I'm driving. I don't touch the radio while I'm driving. Like he's just an old school dude, and not in a way that's like. He seems out there because he like he knows what's going on. Like mm-hmm. he's able to deduce like where they're going. He's like, I knew it. This is what they're doing. Blah blah blah. But it feels like no, this is a different kind of thing. Like you kind of have to like not really work at it, but just be patient with it and know that it's going to pay off. Which like I guess when you're going to a movie blind, if you don't know who wrote or directed it, like it might be hard to do. But like I remember being excited for this because I love Sicario so much. I'm like, okay, so this guy knows how to tell a story. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna like just like sit back and like let him take me where it goes. And I was rewarded for that. But I feel like if you're like, I don't know, like this movie might not pay off. Or what, I mean, assuming a movie we're watching, although Alex picked it, it might be a shit movie. Who knows? But <laughs> no. generally, I mean, no, he's he's intentionally picked shit movies for us before. That's what I'm saying. He made us watch The Bad Red Line. He made us watch all sorts of different stuff. But generally, what we're doing, what we're doing in here is going to be good. So I did, though, enjoy how the ending played out. I was like, just going to ask what you guys saw of the ending. Okay, yeah, this is great. Let's talk about this. Yeah, like, I think the payoff was good, and I did enjoy it a lot because of the reasons that you guys said that, like, it felt realistic, that, like, because the guy, you know, the the weird lawyer, like, the kind of shady lawyer is like, you know what you should do is, like, go put that trust that you're trying to put this in into the same fucking bank because then the bank's not going to want to... <laughs> get rid of you to get rid of the trust to get rid of the oil like you know what i mean like like you can like quadruple fuck them if you do that and like that i is like so that clever play. isn't it yeah it's yeah like, yeah and it feels like not only has he stolen all of this money just to pay the bank like he's paying the bank back with its own money basically and he's putting them in a position where they they're just never going to like do anything about that it's like yeah, oh, and they're gonna so profit cool. on it it's yeah. like they're running the trust yep, right yep. it's so cool and, like, that's why, like, at the end, they're like, this doesn't add up. Like, his brother was yeah. a criminal. Sure, that makes sense. But, like, this guy, he's he's going to make 50 grand a month or whatever. He's going to steal 40 grand. He's going to, like, put it back in the bank that, like, he's stealing from. Like, this doesn't add up. It's like, yeah, that's kind of the point. Like, it's 
it's why it rules. Right. Yeah. And and what do you guys think of the like the kind of very the like the see I love this Joe this is like exactly what we're talking about there is a standoff at the very end of this movie but it is the quietest standoff of any movie it, it is just um, uh, uh, you know Jeff Bridges coming to the house and being like look I think I know what happened and Chris Pine being like yeah maybe you do and then just having to <laughs> stare at each other and be like all right so this is what we're doing for the next decade huh just staring each other down while we figure out how who's gonna figure what out first. And he's like offers to tell him, and he's like, "No, I think I got enough of it." Like, yeah. and he's like, "No, but I'll tell you the rest." And he's like, "No, I, I I'm good. I think yeah. I'm okay." Yeah, I love that ending. So what's actually kind of cool is that when I was, um, I was looking for a quote because there are a couple quotes in here that I really liked, and I couldn't like weren't on like I need to be quotes are either like real hit or miss, like they're either great or they're terrible. There's a line where I think it's Jeff Bridges talking to Billy Gil, Black, yeah, Gil Birmingham. And he says, sure seems foolish, the days of robbing banks and living to spend the money's long gone, ain't they? Long gone for sure. I'm like, that's just a cool thing. So anyway, like I'm looking for that quote online and I found the screenplay, uh, which is very cool. And like what's really nice about at the end there, which I think you're right, like this is gonna this is how it's gonna be happening or whatever. It's just like it's so simply said here, like, I'll be seeing you. He says, Soon I hope. Toby, soon I hope. I'm ready to be done with this. Marcus. You'll never be done with it, no matter what. That's the price. It's going to haunt you, son, for the rest of your days. Marcus looks up to the sky, letting the autumn sun bathe his face. But you won't be alone, Marcus says. It's going to haunt me, too. Toby says, when you come by, maybe I'll give you peace. Marcus smiles. Maybe, Marcus says. Maybe I'll give it to you. Toby says, I'd like that. Till that day. Marcus looks at the sad, simple man and smiles, tips his hat, turns and walks up the dirt road. The camera rises and looks down on them. The house is gray, faded shingles. And Marcus's silver hat standing out from the red dirt that surrounds them. And it's just like, they're on there, but it's not even about, like, getting away with it or solving the crime. Like, they both know that the other one knows. It's like, yep. you have to live with the fact that, like, yeah, you got away with it, but your brother is dead yep. from this. Yep. And, and you killed people. The guilt. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But, Which he didn't want to do, but still the blood is on his hands. Right. He's, and, like, it's just so simply laid out there. Like, we know. I'm going to smile. I'm going to walk away. But, like, you're going to live with that guilt. And, like, I, you know... I might not be the one that catches you. Like, you might turn yourself in because that guilt is going to be overwhelming at some point. Like, it's never going to go away. Yeah. For a movie that kind of glorifies crime, it's like, yeah, crime's also, you know, it's going to sit with you, right? So I mean, you got what you wanted out of this. You got your house back. You got your property. And now you get to live out the rest of your days in, like, awful extreme guilt on that property, right? It's like you don't mm-hmm. actually get the, there is no happy ending to that, really. Yep. Um, I did. I, I uh, wrote down a quote from this movie that uh, I I really really love um, that I would like to share with you. Um, I yeah. think I think that this is a Chris Pine line. He says, "I've been poor my whole life. So mm-hmm. were my parents, their parents before them. It's like a disease passing from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. Becomes a sickness. That's what it is. Infects every person you know." I think that that is one of the greatest encapsulations of like kind of like modern American life as I've known it, right? Like, this is not... when. So when I say this, I didn't grow up in Texas, right? This is not the America that I grew up in. The the America that's depicted here, I didn't grow up in it. But the feeling of this movie and the things this movie are talking about, this this kind of generational... People end up being poor uh, generationally, right? It just... it, it It goes on and on and on. And it even... Uh, he says it infects other people, right? He's not just saying like, hey, it's not just my family. It's like almost by being associated with me, you could become poor as well, right? Like that's how things work in America. And and it's like, this isn't the America I grew up in, but it is. 
Like, I did live through the crisis in 2008. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the America that I grew up in. I didn't grow up in this place in America. But this kind of crumbling infrastructure that they live around, where everybody is just getting worse off and worse off generation by generation, that's me and everybody I know. Yeah. And there's, like, no way out. And, like, the only way he can get out is by robbing banks and then and then selling oil which like they they refer to uh-huh. this too that they're like nobody's buying oil or something and they're like well they're still drilling for it and and like that's also fucked so yeah 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 because yeah, there is the whole like i do think that like and i'm going to i'm going to clarify this or like add the 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 catch to this but like i do think that there it is possible in this country to go from nothing and make it as a, as a success however it is infinitely easier if your parents are wealthy and have oh, connections yeah. and are able to open the door for you. It's like, okay, cool. Like I was able to like get enough, get a good enough grades. Like me personally to get a free ride to college, but like past that, I'm just like, I don't know anybody. Like I don't like everything beyond that's just, again, still on my own. Right. So like, I'm not saddled with this like systemic debt that so many kids are fucked by, but like, I can't do anything. Like I don't have like these like millionaire parents who can get me in the door of whatever, like everything's still on my own. Internships. Whereas, like, yeah. The, you you just... can have like some like, you know, some wealthy dude's like burnout son just like gets a better job because like you know his daddy is owed a favor or something yeah well fuck yeah i mean this is not to discredit and and hopefully i'm not offending you guys by saying this but like people that are able to rise to sort of like an upper middle class right people that are able to Mm -hmm. um um through education and hard work and stuff like like climb up that middle class right but yeah i don't know that there's any getting out of that middle class without either some turn of fame or what you just said, uh, uh, Joey, like nepotism of some kind, right? I, I don't know that that's possible. Like, we, we rewatched um, Us recently, and my yeah. favorite image in Us is the escalator that goes down, but there is no escalator that goes up. You only ever see the escalator that goes down. That's America. Right. The escalator only yep. goes down. It does not come back up. It is so easy to go down and keep going down and go further and further down. It is almost impossible to get back up. Right. Yeah. Sucks. Yeah, and I just I think this movie is a great encapsulation of that. This feels like the great modern uh, American Western to me. So I think that now you guys are pointing out that me watching it as a heist movie, specifically mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. a heist movie, is part of the reason why I wasn't as hype on it because I really like all of this conversation. Yeah, and like all of these ideas that we're talking about here, and yes, like. But I was watching it as just robbing banks. But like the the undertones, yes, do make this much much better. I mean, it is it is a heist movie though. I think it as a is. heist movie, it's it's a great heist movie. But I also think it's about robbing America and America robbing you. Like it's a bigger yeah. thing. But I think also like other heist movies are about that too. Like, yeah, that's true. Bank robbers are trying to aspire to something great. Like they're not just like you know there might just be scumbags or whatever. But it's about like the system and like trying to buck the system. This is just more in your face about that. Yeah, uh, but I, Joe, I, I do think I hear what you're saying, that, that potentially uh, the, the very specific and particular context you came to this with might have, um, you know, altered your experience with it a little bit. Because I, I don't think you could say it's not a heist movie, but I don't know that, like, if, if somebody was like, hey, give me, like, your five best heist movies, this wouldn't be among them, even though I might think it's a better movie than most of them, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yep. We're on the same well, page. I think Joe, it's the same. It's the same kind of issue we we run into with like Zach Efron or Channing Tatum or Gosling or like when Mike and I are doing Cage or Keanu or whatever. It's like, okay, I'm watching this movie as a Keanu movie, but it's like you shouldn't do that. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like 
like like we watched you know War of the Worlds for Channing Tatum and he's not even in the movie so the whole movie we're like not really paying attention to the movie we're like where's Channing and they're like oh no he was in that church in the beginning that got you know attacked and he was cut out of a scene or whatever but That's it's hilarious. like you're watching things for the wrong reason yeah. like you can still appreciate yep. the movie yep. but it's like the context so yeah watching it like as like a great heist movie might not work I think it still works as a great heist movie but I think you might it's right to be or allowable. I'm giving you permission you, to be a little a little disappointed by the fact that like yeah it's not like it's not as a heist movie it's not Heat but it's also like as I think it's as good a movie as Heat in a in a yeah. totally different way. It's, yeah, it's like uh, this movie is like humidity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, that's enough. Thank you, Garrett. Main you're, main, you're, main your fan fave, Garrett Smith. Uh, Just mic it. drop. <laughs> um, any but anything else? Any other notes to say? Anything else to share about this movie before you watch the trailer? I think I no, I, I'm, I'm turning on it, and now you guys are making me think about it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna sit with this a lot more. I really do like the the context of like, you know, we're taking the land from indigenous peoples, and the indigenous peoples were the who were taking the land from, yeah. like that thing too. So yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna sit here and and process more of this movie. I love it, Garrett. That's great. No, I, I got no further thoughts. I, I'm I'm happy that uh, through a little bit of conversation, we were able to you know. Maybe get you enjoying it a little more or seeing a little more in it. Definitely. That's why I like talking about stuff like this with you guys. Sometimes, like, Joey and I will watch, like, a new movie, and he'll be like, I really love this. And I'll be like, I didn't like it at all. And then I'll be like, well, what did I miss? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like, what am I not getting about this that you really enjoy? And um, I think that this is this is one of those that, like, now I'm, I'm turning through it and being like, oh. And, like, inspired to give it a rewatch sometime soon to be like, yeah, let me let me think through this again. It's definitely worth checking out again at some point. Um, I would also say watch Sicario and watch Wind River. Like, Wind River, I think, is closer in spirit to this. Yeah. Um, yes, it is. Wind River is, like, basically, it's not this, but, like, it's the winter version of this yeah. in a way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sicario is a different movie, but I think they're all great. I think this is the best of the three, but I think all three of them are great. Has he done anything outside of TV other than those three movies, or is that the whole Tyler Sheridan universe? He uh, Taylor Sheridan. Taylor. I keep calling him Tyler. Yeah, sorry. How disrespectful. Uh, in terms of, like, writing movies, um, he wrote Sicario 2, Day of the Soldado. He wrote and directed Those Who Wish Me Dead, that Angelina Jolie movie that came out last mm. year that I did not see. I wanted to see, but, like, kind of got, like, middling reviews. He did that Tom Clancy. He wrote the Tom Clancy's Without Remorse movie starring Ooh. Michael mm. B. Jordan, apparently. Okay. That uh, okay. wasn't very good. It, it It is weird, though. It feels like he might be trying to stray from his genre. Like, his genre is basically, like, gritty neo-Western, kind yeah. of. Yes. And, like, that's why... Like, it just makes sense that he would do Yellowstone. Oh, yeah. And, like, enough reason for me to want to go back and try more Yellowstone, because, like... I need to try it, too. Yeah, well, that's, like, I a agree. whole universe now, right? They got spin-off yes. shows and everything. And my understanding is that, like, he took money he made on these movies that he wrote that did very well and bought a ranch that is now where they shoot all those shows. So, like, he basically, oh. like, bought a bunch of property and was like, I would love to live, uh, you know, out on the American West or whatever. And also, it will be the production home for an entire universe of TV that will continue generating me money forever. You know what I mean? I think he also came from acting. Like, I did not see Sons of Anarchy, but he played David Hale on Sons of Anarchy and, like, his bio on Letterboxd says he's best known for that. So, yeah, I think you're right. Like, these movies are not huge. Like, Yellowstone is obviously, it's like... Enormous, infinitely yeah. bigger than these three movies combined yes. right but like sons of anarchy also huge so yeah yeah i don't know all right let's watch the trailer hell or high water official trailer hd posted by cbs films this is new i mean it's it makes sense but you know i don't think we've had a cbs films before 
Yeah, I, when I put it on on uh, Netflix, it came up and it said CVS Films, and I was like, that feels very strange to that me. That is strange. It's a movie for dads, man. Yes, You're right, yes. yeah. Six million views, almost seven million views, posted in May of 2016. Are you guys both ready? ready? I'm ready. Three, two, one, play. Oh, the other note, this just jumps right into the trailer. The first thing I wrote down... Ben Foster says, you're turning out to be a poor-ass criminal, which I thought was very funny. Right? Yes, <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, you were talking about how some people don't like Ben Foster in this movie, and I think he's terrific in this movie, and I, I hope that he takes us in the spirit I mean it, but, like, if you're hiring Ben Foster, this is what you hire him for. Like, I don't know yeah. why you'd want him to do something other than this, you know? I thought he was great in it. I, I was totally fine with it, like, but I, I don't mind people being typecast if they play the role great, so, yeah. like, why not? He, he is terrific as this kind of, like, like almost psychopathic um, loose cannon, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know if you guys have seen Alpha Dog. He's uh, great in that in a no, similar No, I was just role. talking about Alpha Dog last night. Was that the, like, Justin Timberlake one? You are yes. correct. I Justin Timberlake saw, has a hilarious line delivery in that movie. Oh, man. I love this just made me want to watch this movie again. I just watched it, like, a month ago. Terrific photography in this movie, too. It's a really yeah, good-looking movie. The cinematography movie. is great. I absolutely agree. Framing shots, coloring, everything about that is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that is funny, man. I also like that, like, Jeff Bridges, as he ages, just sounds like he's got, like, a bag of marbles in his mouth that he's trying oh, to, like, yeah. talk around. Oh, yeah. More down it. He definitely feels like his mouth, his cheeks are full. Like he got yeah. like two. Yeah, I agree. You want a little advice? Sounds like an aging hamster. <laughs> oh, we were talking about Alpha Dog because of Ben Foster and because he says my my uh, Bob, who had to win the lottery, was saying that he thinks he um he overacts too much. That the worst is in Alpha Dog. Oh, see, I Alpha Dog. So okay, I grew up with Ben Foster on a Disney show that I loved called Flash Forward. Oh, okay. Um, he, he, him and a girl were like the co-stars of this like Disney show that I really liked. And so then I didn't see him again until Alpha Dog. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. This like Disney kid that was like so fun and funny is just like a psycho in this movie. And I, I think he's great in that movie. And that is like the energy that he brings to most movies since. All right. Cool. Yeah, man, this trailer is great. Yeah, oh, yeah. the trailer is good. The trailer is really good. It's selling. It's selling it really, really well. Yeah. It's also not super... I mean, I don't know that you can really spoil the movie because the movie is, like, it's more... It's, it's a, a vibe, man. Yeah, it's just yeah. a vibe, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, David McKenzie directed this, right? Yeah, have you yeah. seen Startup? I have not seen Startup, and I have heard good things about Startup. Yeah, it's great. Uh, when I was saying to Joe before you got here that when we do a prison lap at some point, we'll do Startup because Startup is great. That also has... So I was joking, sort of, that this is the the good Chris. I think it's the good Jeff because I like Bridges more than Daniels. But it's also kind of the – it's got the bad – even though I don't really mean it – the bad Ben because I, I love Ben Mendelsohn so much. Mm. And Ben Mendelsohn is the star of Start Up. So okay. just kind of you know, work with a couple of big Bens. So. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Oh, and he made but that movie the clock. Outlaw King with uh, Chris Pine as well, which was like – was it a Netflix movie maybe? Yeah, I think so. Outlaw King. Yeah, this was a Netflix movie that I think just came and went – Oh, and yeah, I've mostly I heard good things this, about, yeah. but yeah. He also he's one of the directors of Under the Banner of Heaven, that new Andrew Garfield show based mm, on the book okay. that's on Hulu. Okay, so okay. he's still doing good stuff. It's just yeah. you know few and far between. All right, 
The letterbox game, so for reference sake, Mad Max Fury Road has been seen by 1.2 million people, 1.157, that rounds up to 1.2. Hell or High Water, 2016, directed by David McKenzie, starring Jeff Bridges, Chris Pine, Ben Foster, and Gil Birmingham, has been seen by how many people? Okay, it's no be a shitload. No, you no. I know better now. It I was guess an Oscar. This... No, but it was an Oscar nom and it was a selection at uh. con. Like, and this is Letterbox, so I think that it's going to be really high. I'm I'm going to start what I think is low and go two hundred fifty thousand. No, see, I'm, I'm just going to stop you there. I Garrett, I'm sorry. It's two fifty seven. I don't Whoa. know how Joe how gets close this time, but you know, two hundred fifty seven thousand. Through the whole thing, and he nailed it. I feel like that rationale made sense, and he nailed it. That's amazing. I'm sorry. Yeah, but sometimes Joe's rationale makes sense, and he's like in Way order off. of magnitude yeah. off. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like his 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 thought process is usually really good. It's just that like it doesn't always directly correlate to the guess. Well, last time I was on the show, I guess like 300k, and Joe was like, "You're nuts," and he was right. And so I was like, "Okay, I got to so really." What were, you, what were you gonna guess? I was gonna guess 100k, and it was based on his rationale. I was gonna guess like even lower than 100k based on how wildly high I was last time I was on the show. And then as Joe started talking, I was like, "No, he's right. He's right. Okay, I gotta go. It does have to be in the like." It must be, uh, like, the hundreds of Ks. You know what I mean? So I was just going to start there. Okay. So then the follow-up, the harder one, maybe. It's all insane. I I wouldn't be good at this game. How many have this in their top four? Mm. Oh. Okay. I actually... This is... Do you think this would be relatively low, ultimately, Joe, even despite all the things you just said? I feel like probably. You don't think so? No. I think that... um, I bet a ton of people like Sicario... Mm. 250,000 is a high number and again mm. the like actual success um people do like Chris Pine mm-hmm. so I would go probably like I would start close to like 100 I think yeah. maybe 100 people would have it in and their Garrett, as a rule of thumb which you might have heard us say on because we don't say it on every episode but like usually it's either like 1% or a tenth of a percent. So okay. like if it's 258,000 people, like 258 is like a lot. Would be a lot. Like okay. Just okay. Proportionally. Cause it's just like, yeah, Oh, that's yeah. like really strong representation. But like, that means that like a 10th of 1% of people who have seen this have the top four. You also kind of okay. have factor in how new it is. Cause like a lot of people like, yep. like oh, will always add a new movie in. Yep. So like this is newer, but not super new. Um, so probably fell out of a bunch. So right. you said a hundred. So, yeah. So yeah. I like Joe's guess a lot, but I'm going to try just, just to, to have it be a different guess. I'll stick with my initial instinct that maybe it would be low anyway. And so let's say 40. You're both way too low. Wow. Okay. So 200. Okay. I'll, I'll just go 150. Still both way too low. Wow. Jeez. One more guess. One 385. More guess. 385, and that's my final offer. All right. Well, I'll just be wild then. What if it's 450? You're both still too low. The answer is 684 that's people insane. have this in their top four. This movie is great. People love the yeah, good Chris. People love insane. Taylor Sheridan. That's wild to me, especially after everything you just explained. So that means like 2% of the people that watch this like No, it? not 2%. It's like two-tenths of a percent. But yeah, oh, it's, okay, still, okay. it's still very high. Yeah. It's top four, man. You get four picks, and this is yeah. a seven, what, yeah. seven, eight-year-old movie? Like, that's bananas to me. Okay, that's a but, really, really high number. All right, now I'm excited to play the next part of the game, though, because I'm like, all right, what, what is in somebody else's top four that puts this in their top four? Because I would have bet you any money that this would not be in that many people's top fours. So We're I, going I'm, to Jacob Hampton at Jacob Hampton, who rewatches. I think he did this a bunch. Maybe or maybe there's the other one. I pulled two, but this is the one we're going to go with. This movie really makes me want to say, quote, they don't make them like this anymore, but it's barely three years old. He wrote this in 2019. Okay. Okay. So five stars. Okay. All right. I like it. Jacob Hampton's number 
four favorite movie of all time is Hell or High Water. He just saw last night, just like I did, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Oh. Also gave it four stars. Shout out to Jacob. Did you like that movie, Joey? I loved it. Okay, I enjoyed that movie as well. My, I really enjoyed Lee Pace jumping up and thinking he was playing werewolf, severely misreading the situation he was in. Very funny. I did not recognize Lee Pace because I don't really know him from things. But I'm like, oh, who is this like just like older, like ripped dude? I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense as Lee Pace. But Rachel Sennett, wonderful. Yes, yes. Uh, everybody wonderful. Oh, okay. it was enjoyable. Go ahead. Top three favorite movies, two from the last decade, one from the 90s. The one from the 90s is a kid's movie. Mm. But also accessible and fun for the whole family. Mm. Okay, 90s kids movie. And I will also say the 90s kids movie is one of the most influential and important and trend-setting kids movies of all time. Toy Story. Toy Story, number three. Oh, okay. I wasn't even thinking animation. I was I was immediately, when you said kids movie, I wasn't thinking animation. I was thinking like, you know, live action movie about kids. Got it. Joe just sat back, took a shot, nailed it. Yeah. Thank you. First two movie, like Hell or High Water, also from the past decade, both in the 2010s, both great movies that I love. The first one, number one, is by a director that Garrett brought up earlier this episode, and it's my favorite movie by this director. Who the hell did I bring up earlier in this episode? I hate when he does that, right? Like I Joey, know. Did, like not in a like I don't actually hate it, Joey, no, but no. like I'll just be like, who the fuck was I talking about yeah, three what? minutes ago? I know, I literally can't remember ever bringing a director up on this other than David McKenzie, who we just talked about. Who else did we before talk? you oh! came on? Like, when we stopped oh. the intro thing, and I was just like, Joe, do you remember what you said just now, so I can bring us back in? He's like, nope. I'm like, okay, cool. Me neither. So I had to like <laughs> listen back. Like it had just happened a minute ago, it, and we're both like, nope, milliseconds. Don't remember. Yep. I think I know the director, so now I need to pick one of their movies. Who's the director? I... Come on, give me the clue. Uh, hold on, I want, I want to see if Garrick and Kobe this, and then we'll go from there. My favorite movie by this director. It's your favorite movie by this director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would also say it's probably a lot of people's favorite movie by this director. Oh, really? Okay, because I'm just going to say my favorite movie by this director, and then we'll find out if I'm even on the right director. Is it Blade Runner 2049? Right director, wrong movie. The director <sighs> is Denis Villeneuve. Okay. You're, okay, so most people's favorite movie by him. So is it Sicario? No. I, I would say this this guy, he has four movies that could be most people's favorite movie by right. him. Right. But... So is it Arrival? It is Arrival. Okay, okay. Ah, got it, got it, got good it. One. Or okay. as Joe would call it, The Other Space Movie. The Other <laughs> Space Movie. <laughs> I, I do love that movie, by the way. That is I, among his best movies, I think. I, I Arrival think was good. Arrival yeah. was definitely really good, yeah. But Blade Runner 2049 is my pick. His number two, yeah, I, I mean, I love them all. Arrival's, uh, Arrival makes me cry. The other one, uh, Blade Runner does not. Dune is also fucking awesome. Sicario is great. Yeah. Prisoners, we talked about on here recently. You seen He's, Enemy? Enemy rules. Enemies, ru- enemy rules. Enemy's great. I've not seen his early stuff, but I've seen everything in the last you know decade or so. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. Number two is another recent movie, another auteur, another very kind of film snob pick in a way that I very much agree with. I think this movie is awesome. It is the first film by a guy who so far has put out two movies, and his second movie is one of my all-time favorites. Since this director has only put out two movies, but they've been this decade, so they're like... There's... This movie, yep. This movie yep. from the past decade. Mm. Even last five years, I'll say, is the first movie. So they both come out in wow. the last five years. Okay. okay, okay. I love both of these. His second one, his follow-up, is one of my all-time favorites. Wow. Wow. I will also say, in terms of gossip, the lead of the second movie just announced that she and her boyfriend split after three years. Hmm. Hmm. Depending on how you read the news, that might help or that might not help. I do not read the news in any meaningful way like that, so that that was not helpful, but I appreciate it. But this is a director and a film that film nerds love. Yeah. 
I'm actually going to check the numbers. I'm going to peep the numbers on this. Almost a million people have seen this, and 16,000 have it in their top four. Can Jesus. You, okay, could this be so a clue? It's a huge movie. Could you help me? Could you help lead me to their first movie a little more? Well, this is their first movie. We're oh, this is to get, their first movie. This is okay. the first movie, yes. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, Garrett, you saw this movie, gave it three stars. Okay. So you did not see it the way, you did not appreciate it the way that right. everybody else did. Right, most people love it. Oh, wait. Uh, okay, I think I know who it is. And it's the first movie? Mm-hmm. Is it Hereditary? It's Hereditary. Ari oh. Aster then made Midsummer, which is one of my all-time favorites, and oh. Florence Pugh and Zach Braff have broken up. Yeah, I actually mildly hate Hereditary. I had three stars. That was a little confusing to me because I was like, I gave that movie three stars? That's like a one-star movie in my brain. My guess, Garrett wrote, is you'll see some Best Actor nominations from this movie. The performances are incredible across yeah, the board. Yeah, they are really good. Yeah, and It's are. a really well-made movie with some interesting visual ideas and relentless space. It's really quite good, but I pretty distinctly did not like this movie. Yeah, I like mostly hated that movie, but I did uh, like Midsummer when I rewatched it recently. I thought Midsummer was very good. Have and you it seen made the me full, want to... the director's cut of yes, it or no? Yes, I did. Yeah. And I actually, I don't know that the director's cut is actually better on that one. I, I, I think I... I actually think most of the cuts that were made to that movie totally make sense, and you don't really need the extra context of the other scenes, but none of them are, like, bad or anything. You know what I mean? It's not like one of those uh, director's cuts where you're like, boy, why are we doing this? You know? Right. Yeah. Um, oh, we didn't do our heist picks. Let's oh, do our heist picks very quickly. We definitely can, but I, I think there's, like, one answer to Who's this Who's the one, one answer? It's Chris Pine. Because yeah. he's not a loose cannon, he's very competent at what he does, right? Yeah, yeah. Super competent, very clever, right? Yeah. Yeah, and he's, like, and he, and he's like ultimately good... Right, okay. like, let me hit you with this because you probably yeah. do. You guys have like good. Do you guys have? Is the reason Pine's not that exciting an answer because you have Pines on your teams already? Basically, there's so many dudes that are like such superheroes on the team. Yeah, that, like Pine's a guy that's like low time criminal, which I think can fit in some situations, but he he doesn't have like a superpower, right? So, do you maybe need a? And I'm gonna get her last name wrong because I always say it wrong. Is it Kitty Noxon? Kitty Mixon? Kitty Moxon? Mixon. M I X O N. Do you just need a really good-looking woman to sort of be the distraction for a particular part of the height? You know what I mean? Like, I she's actually genuinely a- don't know who's on our team already. I will say that our last episode, again, there was a tie on the Patreon. I will also say, I thought the patrons would care more about this game. <laughs> they've, they've increasingly shown they do not give a shit about this game in right. terms of the voting. I find uh, it fun, though. Ramsey and Deckard both tied with one vote. Joe, your vote of Cypher did not get any votes. Ramsey has one vote and Deckard has one vote, so they're in the running for whatever. But like, we already have Ramsey, so I don't know if we need yeah. a key mix in when we have yeah, a. Ra- yeah. I mean, Ramsey has other skills. I was just trying to cleverly think around like, who else could you sure. pick other than Chris Pine in this movie? And that's like the one person I think like, ah, oh, she actually does help with this. We in an don't have a ton way. of women though. To be fair, we have uh, a fourteen-year-old Kristen Stewart from Catch That Kid. <laughs> yes, uh, we have. Oh, we have Kermit. We have Kermit the Frog, uh, Constantine from Muppets Most Wanted. Oh, sure. But we don't have a lot of women, so I think Katie Mixon here is not a bad idea. Because she does Jenny have an Ann. interesting role to play within this heist. Not that she's actually intentionally part of it, but there there is a role that she's playing that I think is interesting. And I, I do tend to like movies where like a good heist actually does have like one or two key players that are not sure. really skilled in any kind of thievery. They are skilled in some sort of like theatricality or something, right? That That yeah. actually helps with the heist. And it feels like she would be good at the kind of thing that they try to get Roman to do in Fast Five, like sweet talk someone. Like she yeah. could do that. She could put up with no bullshit, and she could also just like be someone who wiles people over with her looks and her charm and whatever. So. She could keep like a cop or as a casino owner or whatever rock is in your way. She could keep them talking for like long enough, right? Yeah. 
Maybe that's that's I like that. that's my curveball pick for you, so that nope. you don't have to pick Chris Pine. No, we have. We, I wrote them both down. Uh, it's good. I also I also would have taken like my backup guy was. Um, I feel like the Billy Black character almost was about to break bad. Oh, I don't see that. I, I, I was going to so. ask if you could take a character that is not technically like a thief from a movie and and make them a. From the beginning, I was like, should we do cops? And we're both like, that's too complicated. Like, there's yeah, too many okay, things okay. going on. Fair, fair. Yeah. But I was saying just like, because he like looks at the bank at one point and he he seems like like he's also on the side of like, fuck the bank. You know what I, think I mean? He's on the side of fuck America, really. Yeah. Also fair. Totally yeah. fair. But in that case, like, you I know, don't... having like kind of a, a mildly corrupt cop or at least a cop that can turn his eye wouldn't be bad to have on the team. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he also gets shot in the head, so I was like, eh. Here's what I will say about that character, and this is doesn't even matter to your point though, Joe, but I, I do I don't know that I see that character actually like becoming a bad or dirty cop. As much I as I, I fully agree that uh, you know, he hates America basically. He's um, still doing I, his job. Yeah. yeah, he I he seems like a, a somebody that is loyal to their work and and sees an opportunity in their work and uh, whatever. You know what I mean? Like I I don't see the, um that character necessarily as um somebody that would break bad, but uh I think he would like if he broke any which way, he would break just away from Jeff Bridges just like right. I can't deal with this yeah. asshole. <laughs> yeah, 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 also exactly. fair. Yeah. But he's going to retire anyway, so. Yeah. Well, Gary, thank you so much for joining us. You were just on about a month ago. Anything new in the last month? Anything you want people to know about you? Where can they follow you? What's going on with Killer Bees? Yeah, people can keep checking out Killer Bees. Um, our episode about Sharon Stone will be up by the time people oh, are listening to this. Cool. It's a terrific episode. It was a delight to look at her filmography. Um, you know, I think Basic Instinct is actually like a crazy great movie that it has is. a it's weird really reputation good. from you know when it came out, but is just a terrific movie. Um, Did you guys watch Mosaic? We did not. What is Mosaic? Tell me about it. Mosaic was a Soderbergh miniseries for oh, yes. HBO. Okay. Yep. That was also originally put out as an app. Right. And the app, you could choose your own adventure, mm-hmm. and you could, um, you know, you could like the sh- the show was linear. That was like I think it was six one hour episodes. That was okay. like start to finish. But the but the app like the actual Mosaic app, you could like like the name implies, take pieces from anywhere and sort of try to solve the crime yourself. Okay, that's interesting. Can you watch it as like a narrative at this point? Yeah, I think it's on. It was on HBO when we when we did uh, Soderbergh for Cinemakers. It mm-hmm. was just available to watch on HBO. You could just watch okay. it like as a don't have to do any work, just watch the thing. But she's so good in that. Yeah, and that's like, fairly recent, really, right? Really because she doesn't have a ton of recent work. Yeah, like I don't know why. I don't know why. Other yeah. than like she Choice. got older and like Hollywood yeah. just like women no, get I think, too old. But also like, I think Sharon Stone probably has some money and she's like doing what she wants man i that that is definitely true like some of what we we researched about her is like she uh you know is somebody that like has a bunch of charities and likes to work with animals and like you know and so like i think she's doing a lot of sort of more like just kind of more personally fulfilling work Uh, she's like she's acting in a ton of things but it's like one episode of this or playing herself in something else right yeah yep but she rules like getting through her filmography was so cool so check that episode out because it was really cool to talk about her Basically, as something other than a sex object, you know what I mean? And, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and her career is so worth talking about in that context. So it was, it was really cool. Um, and yeah, we, we have a lot of just like, we have a ton of back episodes now. So if people are interested, like we did Carol Kane recently, which was a ton of fun. I think you were talking about that, about that one the last we time. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but check us out. We're, we're at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast everywhere on the internet. Uh, and you can find me at Philadelphia on the internet. Cool. 
And I also say, if you want more Sharon Stone, there was the six-episode thing on Netflix, Murderville, where Will Arnett was like a oh, yeah. rough detective, and they were mm-hmm. improving yeah. a crime, and How she was played that? Was herself that on one of those. So was that good? Did you watch that? Yeah, I think it's it's hit or miss depending on who the guest okay. is. But like, you can't and you can't binge it either. It gets like you have it's to the watch. Same, it's the same show every single time. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. So I'd got say it. just pop in, just watch the Sharon Stone, and like watch the Marshawn Lynch one was pretty much was pretty incredible. But yeah. Okay. My, yeah. Joe, next week we are back to our Fast and Furious with Hobbs and Shaw. But before then, Patreon bonus episode. Two, so twofastshoefever.com. We are watching every lap. I give you one pick. I'm like, Joe, what movie do you want to do? I get all the other control. You get one. That's not how it really happens. But like sometimes it does. And you're like, let's do lucky number 11. So next week we're doing lucky number 11 for the Patreon. Twofastshoefever.com. And then Hobbs and Shaw. Hey, guys, I wanted to say congratulations on the, uh, I listened to the 250th episode, so congratulations on that. That's really exciting. And I am very excited about the new format you announced for the show. I wanted you guys to know that uh, I think it sounds cool, and I assume people are going to be excited about it. Cool. Cool. And you'll be on next lap, late next lap. You'll be on for a uh, pit stop movie, which is very exciting. But thank you so much. If we don't harass you 15 minutes into an episode (laughs) to come and join us. Hey, listen. You you join Elite Company that only you and Brian's late night slumber party Rodriguez have ever joined an episode mid-episode, basically. We had him on for a uh, Fast and Furious Minute, and we're like, hey, you want to stick around? He's like, yeah, sure. Okay. I love it. Well, I'm happy to be here. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to be a pinch hitter whenever you need it. Awesome. Pinch hitter fan favorite Garrett Smith. That's right. Yes. Yeah, see, I'm doing this. I'm telling you guys I'm doing this. I'm building that nickname. It's getting bigger Off all the, the time. Bench. The pinch hitter. I like that a lot. For all things Too Fast, Too Forever, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash Too Fast, Too Forever, or at Too Fast, Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at Too Fast, Too Forever.com. Next week for our lucky number 11 episode in our store at TooFastToForever.shop for that dumb, dumb George Pickens shirt. Yes. And come back next week for Lucky Number 11 bonus episode and Hobbs and Shaw on the main feed. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And that was Off the Bench Pinch Hitter Garrett Smith, and we'll tell you all about it when we see you again. 